verse of scripture tonight. And so open your Bibles to the book of Romans. If I don't wait until you get there, I will have it read before you find it. So um, just one verse, Romans chapter 11. Early this morning, early this morning, I think it was about four o'clock, I woke up and this verse of scripture was on my heart. And, um, you know, knowing what age does to our memory, I knew I'd better do something with it right then. And uh, so I did. And I wanted to make sure that I, I remembered what I felt like the Lord had spoken to me this morning. And so I want to just, I want to give that to you and especially, especially to Brother Goff tonight. Romans chapter 11, just one verse of scripture. <clears throat> verse number 29, the apostle Paul said, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads tonight? Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. I need the help of the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. Would somebody get under a burden right now and pray for me? I need the touch of God. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> In the name of Jesus, come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I, uh, <clears throat> You know, anytime I have Bible scholars sitting uh, in the midst of the congregation, it makes me feel a bit intimidated. Um, so I want to say to them, before I even start tonight, please don't judge my homiletics or hermeneutics. Um, I had to study for three weeks just to be able to pronounce those words. So... <clears throat> So please don't, don't, uh, don't judge that. This, this verse of scripture, there's a lot that can be said about this verse. And I understand the context as Paul is writing about his hopes for Israel, uh, for his own people. I understand exactly what he's talking about. And, and so, but, but I've taught, I've taught the, the young preachers that are raised here that, that with every verse of scripture, there's only one interpretation. But there can be many applications. 
Hallelujah. So I'm not here tonight to interpret this passage. In fact, I'm really not even going to talk about this verse of scripture. I'm going to use this just like Elder Sharer told me one time. He said, look, a text is just a place to jump off. That's all it is. So, so that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to jump off of this diving board here and I'm going to talk for just a little while about God's gifts and calling. Amen. God's gifts and calling. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to look at the ramifications of what the verse means. There's just one thing that I want to call to your attention from this verse. And that is the fact that Paul mentions two separate things, gifts and callings, says to me that they are not the same. There is, there is a distinction between gifts and callings. Praise God. Amen. And it is important, yea, it is imperative of us that we come to understand the difference between the gifts that God gives us and the calling that he puts upon our lives. Amen. Praise God. Let's, let me take just a few moments tonight and, and talk to you. Let me, let me tell you what I mean when I'm saying gifts. Again, not an interpretation of that verse, but when I talk about the gifts of God, uh, I, I'm, I'm making reference to some specific things. First of all, uh, the Apostle Paul mentioned uh, what are called the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. I've got Brother Sisler reading for me here. 1 Corinthians 12 and 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Everyone say spiritual gifts. Now that's what he's talking about. That's what chapter 12 is all about. In fact, that's what chapter 12, 13 and 14 is all about. Amen. Praise God. You say, no, 13's about love. Well, it was put in the middle of two uh, writings concerning spiritual gifts for a reason. It's not a disconnect. It's not a side note, but it's there. But anyhow, that's what these chapters are about. And in fact, he lists here nine specific gifts of the Spirit in verses 8 through 10. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And so I would say that as apostolics, when we start talking about gifts, we start talking about gifts from God. This is probably where our minds go. We're thinking about this spiritual impartation that God uh, will put upon a man or a woman to use them in a divine way for a specific purpose. Amen. That, there is that category of gifts and I do think that fits within the purview of what uh, I'm going to talk about tonight. But even as you read down through chapter 12, he also mentions some other gifts. And uh, this is, uh, let's read verse 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Okay, now I, the reason why I wanted this verse read, of course we understand, we understand according to Ephesians 4 that the ministry is a gift from God to us. Amen? We, we understand that. The ministry is a gift that God gave for the perfecting 
anointing of the saints. Amen. We can never be what God wants us to be unless we submit ourselves to a man of God. Well, hallelujah. Amen. But, but I want you to see something else in verse 28. He's not just talking about apostles and prophets and teachers. But then he goes on and he, he then refers to the gifts of the Spirit, miracles, gifts of healing. But then he, he brings up a couple of things here that, that I think would help you to understand where I'm coming from tonight. As he mentions not just ministry, not just spiritual gifts, but he talks about helps and governments. Praise God. These things are also gifts from God. Now I want to tell you, I, I'm going to, what I believe is that God in his wisdom imparts to us certain abilities and certain capabilities, amen, in order to accomplish certain tasks. God gives us talents, if you please. God gives us a, a certain uh, um, uh, uh, ability in our life to do things. When he talks about helps, I, I don't want to get into all that tonight, but, but these, are, these are things that God puts within mankind for a purpose and for a reason. Amen. Praise God. Now, now we're talking about the gifts of God. Everyone say the gifts of God. But then also the calling of God. Everyone say the calling of God. Amen. Let, let me define calling for you here tonight. I find in the New Testament two levels of calling. First of all, Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. I want to say to everybody under the sound of my voice, if you have repented of your sins, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, you have a calling on your life. And that calling is a call to be saints. There ought to be something within our heart uh, that says, as, as Brother Nance so, so eloquently said a while ago, the very fact that God would reach down and even save us goes beyond comprehension. And we ought to appreciate that so much that we understand we're not just a church member. We've got a call on our lives. We are called to be saints. Hallelujah. And we're not, we're, not, we're not talking about, of course, you know, the, the, the Catholic concept of a saint. I remember when I first came to church, uh, those of you who know my story know that I wasn't raised in an apostolic home. When I first prayed through to the Holy Ghost and I, I came home one day and I was just talking to my mom. My mother had been raised as a Catholic. And I said something to her about the saints. And she said, well, there aren't any saints alive today. I said, oh, yes, there are. We've got a whole church full of them. I mean, that's what I always heard the pastor say. The pastor would say, well, let's come to the altar, saints, or let's worship, saints. So I said, well, everybody's a saint. Well, I'm going to tell you, all of us ought to be striving to be a saint. When I talk about that, obviously what I'm talking about is to live that life that is consecrated unto God. We are not our own. We have been bought with a price. And so there is a calling. There is a calling. 
now, now look, please understand this, saints of God. God has called you. Peter said it this way, that he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God put a call upon your life. God stopped by wherever you were one day and said, come and follow me. You're not here because you were good enough to get here. You're not here because one day you woke up and said, I'd like to go to church. But you're here because God in his mercy said, follow me. And he called you out of darkness. Hallelujah. We ought to consider it the highest honor. That God put this calling on our life. Hallelujah. And we ought to be spending every moment of our lives trying to live up to that call. Well, praise God. Amen. But there is not just a call to be saints. But there is another call that is, that is identified in the scripture. And, and it is, of course, the call that we generally think of when we say a man has been called to preach. I believe there is a call to the ministry. I believe there is a moment amen, that God speaks to a man and God says, I've got a job for you to do. Well, hallelujah. I, you know, I had, I had someone... Uh, Years ago, years ago, I went to an ENT because of throat problems I was having, and, and, and they made a statement to me. He said, well, you know, in the profession that you have chosen, look, it doesn't work that way around here. I didn't choose to be a preacher. God called me to be a preacher. This is not about you deciding I'd like to be up there and get the limelight. I'd like to spend a little bit of time behind the pulpit. I'd like to stand up and tell everybody how to live. That's not what it's all about. But God looked down and picked certain men. God put his hand upon certain individuals. And God put upon them a call into the work of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Now. Now, now, I don't, I don't believe, and, and, and um, I, I know there are folks here from other places, so if your pastor teaches it different, then, then uh, praise God, you listen to your pastor, all right? But since I'm pastor here tonight, I'm going to teach it the way I believe it. But, but I, I want you to see, I, I don't think that what happens is somebody is just so, uh, you know, they're, they're living for God and they're, they're, they're so holy and they're so close to God that one day God says, you know, I think they'd make a good preacher. I don't think it works that way. I don't think God wakes up one morning and starts looking around saying, hmm, I wonder who'd be willing to preach. I don't think it works that way. Listen to what Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I sanctified or set you apart. And I ordained and thee a I prophet. I ordained thee a prophet. Now, here's what God said to Jeremiah. I want you to understand something, Jeremiah. This is not some late profession you have ascribed to. But while you were yet in your mama's belly, I already had a call on your life. This didn't begin just a few weeks ago or just a few years ago. But I saw you. And in my foreknowledge. 
points. I said, this is the man that's got to speak to Israel. And God called him from his womb, from her womb. Praise God. Amen. Now, if that was the only example, we could say, well, that was Jeremiah. But listen to what Paul said. Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. <laughs> he separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Read. To reveal his son, reveal in, his son me, in me that I might preach him I among might the heathen. him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. And so Paul says this calling that I have didn't start five years after I prayed through. This calling that I have didn't come along after I'd been a good Sunday school teacher for a while. But he said while I was still in the womb, God already knew what was going to happen. And God was already setting some things in order. And God had put a call to preach this message. Hallelujah. I, I don't believe that Jeremiah and Paul were exceptions. I don't believe that. I, I, I don't believe that it was only these two that God set apart from the womb. I believe that every man that is truly called of God, I believe that call is there, Brother Nance, when that man's born. I believe God already knows. And look, you say, well, what if he's not living for God? Well, Paul wasn't in the truth when he was, when he was born. He, he was still following the law when he was born. And, and it wasn't until years later that he had his vision and came to accept this apostolic message. But he said, God had already separated me. God had already put a call on my life to preach to the heathen. It was there when I was an unborn baby. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm convinced. I'm convinced that that's just the way it works. In the wisdom and the foreknowledge of God. Amen. Brother Goff, let me say to you tonight. I want you to understand. You didn't choose to be a preacher. You didn't decide you wanted to pastor. That's not what happened. But I'm telling you that before you were born, God already had a plan. God already had something in mind. God had his hand on you. Before your mind was able to comprehend who and what God was. I'm telling you, I look back. I look back over my life. I, I, didn't, I didn't come into the truth until I was 12 years old. My family was not living for God when I came into the truth. But I can look back. I can look back into those first 12 years of my life. And I can see times when the hand of God was at work. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to claim I'm somebody. I'm just telling you that when God calls a man, it's not some afterthought. When God calls a man, God knows that man. God has already decided, this is what I want for your life to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So, so there are gifts, there are abilities, there are certain things that God gives to us. But then there is also a calling. God places upon 
certain individuals. It is my contention that the calling should be foremost with regards to God's purpose in our life. I believe that there is nothing higher than the call of God that he puts upon an individual. Whether it's a call to be saints or a call to preach the gospel, there is no higher calling that can be found than for God to speak your name and start pricking your heart and bring you to a place of service for him. Again, I, I thought Brother Nance was going to end up preaching this tonight. But, but listen, we got to understand it's enough that God saved us as sinners. It's enough that God loved us in spite of who we were and what we were. But God went beyond that. And God chose some men and said, you're not just going to be a saint. But I'm going to put you into a special place. I'm going to put you into the work of the ministry. What an honor. What a privilege that God would do that. Hallelujah. I, 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 I'm, I'm not proud of that tonight. I have nothing to boast of. I don't know why God saved me, let alone why he called me to preach. But I'm going to tell you, I'm so grateful that he did, that I am going to spend the rest of my life doing my best to not disappoint the one who called me into his service. Amen. I thank God for gifts. I thank God for abilities. I, I, I don't have many gifts or abilities. There, there, there's just not a whole lot, Brother Townsley, that I can do. You know, I get... I get I have to go pray through with, with some men that can just, they can play anything, they can sing, they can, you know, they can do it all. And I say, dear God, I struggle just to get a message together. I, you know, I don't have it. I appreciate gifts that God gives to individuals. I appreciate it when God bestows certain talents and abilities upon them. But here's what I'm trying to preach tonight. That whatever abilities God gives a man, it never supersedes the call. But instead, those abilities are given for the purpose of fulfilling that call. I'm telling you what I've seen too much in the apostolic movement is men who begin to elevate the tools above the job. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I want you to understand there's nothing higher. There's nothing. There's nothing higher than when God calls you. And every gift and every ability that he invested in you was not so that you would follow those gifts or those abilities. But they were to help you accomplish the call he gave you. Don't get it turned around. Brother Nancy, how many men do we know that were great singers, talented musicians, and they were preachers of the gospel? God gave them a talent. God gave them a gift. But they started spending all of their time going around doing concerts. And then it got to where they're being invited by people who don't believe the message. And then they can't really preach truth to those people or they may not get invited. But I'm going to tell you what's going on. They have suddenly elevated their gift above their calling. 
In fact, in fact, I could call the name right now of, of a well-known uh, singer. Um, uh, most of you have heard of him. He was actually my teacher in college. And uh, I heard him make the statement with tears in his eyes. Brother Sisler, he stood before that class, tears running down his cheeks. And he said, guys, I know God's blessed me to be able to play and sing, but I don't want to be known as a singer. God called me to preach, and I want to be known as a preacher. But I'm here to tell you, he's made shipwreck spiritually today because he started elevating the gift above the calling. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 15. Listen to this. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now he said, he said you know the house of Stephanus. You, you, you know the house of Stephanus. He was one of Paul's first Converts. He said, you know that man. He said, let me just point out something about him. He has addicted himself. In fact, his whole family have, ad have addicted themselves to the service of the ministry. Now, some translations put it this way. They say they have devoted themselves to serving the saints. And that's, that's good. I, I, I really like the way the Amplified Bible puts it so let me read that to you it says now brethren you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts and our first fruits in Achaia most of Greece and how they have consecrated and devoted themselves to the service of the saints which are God's people they've consecrated themselves they have devoted themselves to one cause now, I like the way the Amplified says it, but I really like the way King James put it. I really like the way he said it because that creates a picture in my mind. What, what was said here in our English Bibles is that the household of Stephanus became addicted to their calling. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there's something about an addict. There's something, you know, an addict doesn't say, uh, well, I've had a fix, and so it's okay if I don't get another fix for six months. An addict doesn't do that. An addict doesn't say, okay, all right, somebody brought me a pill here. Well, that's good. That'll do me for another year. I'm content. That's not an addict. Hallelujah. An addict an addict is somebody who feels they cannot live without that substance. Well, praise God. I'm going to tell you, I believe with all of my heart that when God calls a man to the ministry, the first thing we ought to do is spend enough time in prayer and consecration until God helps us to become addicted to this. There may be some setbacks. There may be times that I've got to do something else. But I'm going to tell you, it's only temporary. I've got to get back and do what God called me to do. I can't live without fulfilling the calling that's upon my life. <sighs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. An addict. 
an addict says, I've got to have another fix. I can't stop. I got to have it. And you know, the more addicted they become, the more they desire that substance. Well, praise God. I would to God that men of God that have been called, amen, to preach this glorious gospel could get such an attitude and such a feeling, amen, about the work that God has called them to do. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Brother Goff, let me say to you tonight, let me just say to you and, 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 and understand the spirit with which I say it. God has blessed you with some tremendous gifts. It's obvious the way you have risen in your job and assumed positions that, that really, according to their records, you're not even qualified to do. But God's given you some abilities. God's given you some gifts. But please understand, God didn't call you to be an investigator. God didn't call you to do what you have to do right now to make a living. But God called you to preach. And above everything else that's in your life, you are a minister of the gospel first and foremost I say this not to embarrass Brother Goff I would say it to any preacher in fact many years ago one of the first weddings I ever performed uh, 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 after I started pastoring was a young preacher but he was also a master plumber I, I mean the guy was brilliant he was talented he was highly sought after he was one of the most sought-after plumbers you could find. He knew what he was doing. But in that wedding ceremony, I looked at him, and I said, Brother Donnie, let me tell you something. You're a great plumber, but God didn't call you to be a plumber. You use that gift right now until it gets you to the place God wants you to be, but you understand it's only here as a token, as a ladder to bring me to another place. This is not where I'm going to stay. This is not what's going to define my life. I said, Brother Donnie, you are not called to be a plumber. That's your gift, but God gave you a calling to preach the gospel. Now let something rise up in your heart that says I cannot be content with anything else. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Elisha, Elisha, and I really don't have time to read all of these scriptures, but, but I, I find it. Uh, let's, let's, let's go ahead and read 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. It's just three verses here. Let's, let's read this. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. Elijah found Elisha. Who was, who was plowing with 12 and, yoke of oxen. And, you know, he was, he was a farmer. He was a farmer. And he's out there plowing. And he's got control of 12 yoke of oxen. I, you know, to me, that sounds like Brother Ness. He was a talented man. He was a good farmer. He, he, knew how to, he knew how to do that, how to handle that. He's out there plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he, he was, with the 12th. Read. And Elijah passed by him. And Elijah, the man of God, came by. Read. And cast his mantle cast upon his him. Cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen. And look at this. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how much he had worked his entire life. I just got a feeling that, that Elisha's father was a farmer. I got a feeling that his grandfather was a farmer. And so he made up his mind, I'm going to be on this farm till the day I die. But when the man of God came by and there was a call to do something else, Elisha immediately said, I'm done with farming. 
Well, he left the oxen and ran after, ran Elijah, after Elijah and said, and he let, said me, let me, I, let pray, me, thee, I pray thee, kiss, my, kiss father my father and my mother, and, my mother, and then, then I will I'm follow, thee. follow thee. And he said unto, he him, said unto him, go back go again, back again. For, what have for, what have for what have I done to thee? What have I done to thee? Read. And he tur returned he back, returned from, back him from him and took and a yoke of oxen. took a yoke of oxen. And, slew and them, he slew them. And boiled their and flesh. And he boiled their flesh. With the instruments with of the, the oxen. Instru I'm telling you, he got rid of every one of those tools. I believe that he's making a public statement. I may have been a farmer all of my life up to this moment, but God's got a higher calling for me. And I don't want the temptation of going back to the farm. I, I want to get rid of it. I'm going to, I'm going to kill the oxen and I'm going to burn the instruments because now there is a heavenly call that's upon my life and nothing is more important to me than fulfilling that call in fact in fact it's interesting it's interesting I don't see I don't see Brother Mullins, I don't see in the scripture where Elijah came by and said, you're my successor. I don't see where Elijah ever promised Elisha that he would become a prophet. I don't see that in the scripture. I don't see that he gave Elisha any hope of a place of prominence. He just walked by and let him feel what that call felt like. And there was something in the heart and the spirit of Elisha that he said, this is more important to me than anything else in the world. And so, and so he started following the man of God. He wasn't preaching. He wasn't doing the glorious tasks. That's right. There was none of that. There was none of that. He was there as Elijah's personal valet, if you please. His attendant. That's what he gave up his livelihood for. To just go and serve the man of God. Now look, there's no promise of anything, but I do believe there was a vision in Elisha's heart. I believe there was something that was, that was rising up within his spirit that he felt that call and that drawing uh, from heaven. And so we get over to 2 Kings chapter 2 and, and Elijah starts talking to Elisha. And, and look, Elijah says to him, he said, look, uh, I, I'm, going, I'm going to Bethel and, and you just stay here. You know what that means? I'm giving you the day off. Go get your fishing rod. It's deer season. Go get your rifle. I'm giving you the day off. I don't expect you to go where I'm going. You're free today. But Elisha said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And so it was, as you read through these verses, that, that Elijah kept trying to, trying to get Elisha to, to... Now look, look, don't get it wrong. Don't get it turned around. He didn't promise a double portion of his spirit before this was going on. It was after all of this had already happened. Elisha still had no promise, but he did have a call. And that call was enough to keep him doing what he was there to do. 
Well, praise God. Amen. And wherever Elijah went, he said, as, as, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I'm going to. You're not leaving me behind, Elijah. I'm going to be with you. Praise God. There is some indication he knew that Elijah was about to be taken up because the sons of the prophet are standing saying, you know that your master is? He said, I know it. Just, just be quiet. I don't want to hear it. I know it. He knew, he felt something in his heart about what was about to happen. But I just believe it was that call. There was something in him. And I believe that's why when Elijah said, well, look, you followed me to Bethel. You followed me across the Jordan. You followed me here. You followed. But let me just ask you, Elisha, what, what is it you want from me? And Elisha said, huh, all I want is a double portion of what you've got. I'm not asking that you send me money. I'm not asking that you give me a nice house. I'm not asking that you'd speak to the king on my behalf. I'll tell you what I want. I just want to fulfill this call that's on my life. But I'm going to tell you, as a farm boy, as a valet, I don't know anything about being a prophet. I'm going to need twice what you've got if I'm going to accomplish the work of God. But God has called me to do it. Oh, hallelujah. I hope you're understanding tonight. I believe that Elisha became addicted to the ministry. Elisha said, this is the only thing that really matters in my life. Nothing else counts. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I must admit, I, as now an older man, I look out. And I'm watching the myriads of individuals who suddenly have found things that are more important to them than the call of God on their life. I said earlier, an addict doesn't get one fix and then wait six months. And I'm going to tell you, it, it's always bothered me. It's always bothered me. The sister, it's bothered me when I've seen men that say they've got a calling, but they can sit on a pew forever and ever and ever and never seem to be motivated to do anything. I, I question the call. Is there really a call of God in your life? If there is, then why don't you find a prayer closet and get alone with God and say, God, I don't know when and I don't know how, but I'm not satisfied with where I am right now. I'm going to put my hands to serving the man of God in my life. I'm going to do everything I can to help him right now until that day comes. But God, I want you to know I'm not satisfied where I am. seen I've seen now my pastor hated it he hated the term he hated the term lay preachers he hated that he uh, in fact he would get up frequently and say there's no such thing as a lay preacher because you know here's the deal when he took that church in Dallas there were probably I don't know 10 or 12 men that said they were lay preachers and all that really meant was, I've got a little bit more authority than everybody else in the church. You, you just let me preach once in a while so everybody knows I'm still a preacher. And that's all I got to do. I'm happy. I'm happy just sitting here, just working this job. I'm, I'm content doing this. And there was no real drive. There was no real 
nothing in the, you know that that addict doesn't sit in his house saying I hope somebody comes by and offers me another shot today he's going to go out there and find it that that was the way I was raised old school hey amen our pastor put it in us if I had to go to the nursing home brother Nance I'm going to the nursing home but I'm going to preach there's something in my heart that is not because I've got to hear my voice but it's because of a call it's because God has chosen to put me in this work if I've got to get out on the street and have street services I'm going to do something but I've got to preach the gospel I believe that was what Paul was saying when he said woe is me if I preach not the gospel well I lost some of you somewhere along the way but I'm heavily burdened I consider the myriads of men and women who have literally made shipwreck. Their lives are destroyed because they spent their time focusing on their gifts, on their talents, on their abilities, their intellect, their intelligence. I'm telling you the truth, church. And they start, they start making everything about their intellect, about how smart they are. And I'm going to tell you, if God blessed you with a good intellect, thank God for it. But understand, he didn't do it so you could become lifted up in pride and show everybody else they're not as smart as you are. But God gave it to you to accomplish a purpose because he called you to preach the gospel. I'm not saying that we need to bury our talents. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the talents are not first. They're secondary. They're secondary. Amen. Hallelujah. God calls a man to preach. And God equips that man. I'm telling you, whatever God calls a man to do, he gives him the grace to accomplish that. Brother Steve Kelly was talking to me one day. We were on the phone and I was talking to him about the work in Africa. And I had, I had just received a phone call from a, a well-known preacher. And he said, he said, do you mind speaking to my wife for a moment? She had a dream about you and, and I just think you ought to hear it from her lips. And so I took the phone and she, through tears, began to tell me she said, I'm telling you, Brother Regan, what, what you're doing in Africa has made the devil so mad. She said, I saw, I saw the revival that's spreading. She said, but then all of a sudden I saw the look on Satan's face, the absolute hatred, the fury, the anger. She said, I saw it one other time. I had a dream like this one other time, and it was toward my husband. And before it was all said and done, my husband had a nervous breakdown. She said, I just wanted to call to warn you to be on your guard. Well, you know, that, um, that's a great way to start your day. So I thought, you know, I probably ought to run this by my elders. Probably ought to just talk to them. And, and uh, so I did. I, I got Brother Kelly on the phone. And, and Brother Kelly said, Brother Regan, look, I, I don't doubt, I don't doubt that God uh, allowed this dream. I don't doubt 
that the devil's mad at you. But he said, I just want to tell you, if God has called you to do that work, you don't have to be afraid of anything. God will give you the grace to go through whatever the devil throws at you. He said, you know where I pastor? His church is right in the middle of an Indian reservation. He said, you talk about witchcraft. You talk about demonic spirits. He said, it's unbelievable what I have to fight every service in church. And he said, I have men come preach for me. And he said, they preach one night and say, I don't know how in the world you do it, Brother Kelly? You must be a superman. I can't fight through this. He said, no, it's just because God didn't call them to this place, but he did call me. I'm not superhuman. I just have the grace of God to do this job. I'm telling you, whatever God calls a man to do, he needs to put his heart to it. He needs to put everything he's got into fulfilling that calling. God will give you the grace. God will give you the strength. God will give you the abilities that you need to accomplish the call that's in your life. Hallelujah. And so I say again, Brother Goff, I think you know how much I love and appreciate you. And you are daily in my prayers. And, and I don't want you to misunderstand me because I know that where you are right now, I know that in, in trying to, to birth a church, you've you got to have finances. You, I, I understand that. But, but what I really felt so early in the morning today was just to implore you and say, don't ever let the devil cause that to become your focus. Don't ever let the devil, you're good at what you do. There's no doubt. I said that a while ago, but that's not what you're called to do. But God has called you to preach the gospel and God has called you at this moment to raise up a church in Mission, Kansas. That's the calling of God and God will give you the grace to raise up that church. I don't care what happens. I don't care if they throw you out of this building and you can't find another one for six months. God will give you the grace somewhere down the road. God's going to bring it all together. You just stay true and you stay faithful and you let God know, Lord, the only reason I'm coming to this job is because I've got to have food and my family's got to eat. But as soon as I can get away from this, I'm going to go and pursue the call on my life. Please, please, please don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not preaching against preachers working when they have to. I've done it myself. I've taken a few jobs when necessity arose. Uh, jobs that a lot of folks wouldn't want to take because I don't have any talents. I don't have any skills. I don't know anything. I've never done anything except preach. And uh, so I, you know, I've got to take jobs nobody else wants. And uh, becoming a caretaker for an old man who cannot take care of himself and everything Uh, so I've done it. I'm not preaching against it. But I'm going to tell you, I've got a very dear friend, very dear friend, pastored a church for 25 years, 25 years. He worked a job every day of those 25 years. 
And, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw stones at him. But I can't tell you how many times in those 25 years he would call me and he'd say, man, things are going great and the church is growing. And, you know, he said, I've really, there's enough money for me to go full time here. But, but I want to wait just a little while and just make sure. And I'm thinking, my brother, please don't do this. Don't do it. And so for 25 years, it would reach that point and drop off again. Reach that point, drop off again. Well, hallelujah. Brother Goff, I'm not telling you to quit your job. In fact, you better not. You got some precious kids that, that need their daddy to be bringing in a good income. You've got utilities to pay for in that building besides your house. You've got a lot of expenses as a home missionary pastor. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying every day when you go to work, I want you to go with a mindset. I'm not an investigator. I'm not a troubleshooter. I am a preacher of the gospel. I'm just having to do this right now until we can get beyond this hump. But first and foremost, there's a call on my life and I'm going to pursue that call with every fiber of my being. There's nothing else that matters more than doing what God called me to do. This is his service. I don't want you good saints to think that you're not getting preached to tonight as well. Because I'm going to tell you there's a problem. There's a problem when you start letting your job become more important than church. Don't forget you've got a calling too. You're called to be saints. And the calling to be a saint ought to be the number one calling in your life. That ought to be first and foremost above everything. The fact that God would save you. You ought to appreciate that enough that you let him know, God, you're always first in my life. You don't get the leftovers of my life. It's not when I have enough time, then I'll, I'll read my Bible. When I have enough time, then I'll pray. No, no, no. I've been called to be a saint. And that takes precedent over whatever my uh, education is, whatever my lot in life is, whatever my job, whatever my occupation, none of that matches up to the call God put on my life. And that call to be a saint means more to me than anything. I'm telling you, I've watched, I've watched People make a stand on their jobs and say, no, 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 I'm not working Sunday. I'm not working Sunday. I'm going to be in church. Sometimes they lose their job for it. But I've never seen God fail in giving them something better. I'm telling you, every time you put God first, God will always come back and bless you for it. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm preaching tonight. I'm preaching tonight about the gifts and the calling of God. What an honor. What a privilege. That God would call us into his kingdom. What a privilege. That God would afford us the opportunity. I have people say. Oh if I could only start over. You can. You can. It's called being born again. You start with a clean slate. You're starting all over again. Well hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, what, what an honor, what a privilege that God would do that for you. Now make it your first priority above everything else. 
I've got to quit. In fact, Becca, if you'll come and play something. Um, we, we've, we've got to understand how important it is to keep God first. I, I taught a lesson here. It's been a number of years ago now. I taught on tithing. And I had in my hand 10 $1 bills. I don't know if any of you even remember this, but I had 10 $1 bills. I said, all right, this was my salary this week. I got $10. What do I owe God? Congregation's unanimous, $1. Okay. Now, which of these dollars is God's? It's the first one. It's not just any of the 10. It's not just any of the 10. Yes, any of the 10 make a tithe, but God called his tithe holy. God always wants the first of whatever we do. Well, hallelujah. You've been called to be saints. Brother Goff, Brother Mullins, Brother Townsley, Brother Sisler, Brother Nance, Brother Jared, Brother Brandon, Brother Merriman. God has been gracious to us in that not only did He call us to be saints, which is such a high honor, but God said, I want to put you in a place where you are serving the saints. I'm so glad and I'm so honored and I'm so humbled that God would choose me to do this job. And I want it to always be the first item on my agenda. The first thing that I do. Well, hallelujah. Let's stand. Lift our hands to the Lord. God, help me, help me to put my calling above any gifts you may have given me. Come on, let's talk to the Lord for just a moment. Let's talk to the Lord for just a moment.